0: It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store. From your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. The morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez.
1: Our Western Valley Congressman Henry Clayer joining us right now. He and... Senator Ted Cruz were in the news a few days back trying to grease the skids on the permitting process for international bridges. So let's start there, Congressman. I know you've been pushing for this for quite some time.
2: Yes, and it's important because, you know, as you know, trade is increasing between the U.S. and Mexico every single year. In fact, last year there was more than $863 billion of trade between the U.S. and Mexico. The Laredo District, which goes from um, El Rio all the way to Brownsville, 40% of all the trade between the U.S. and Mexico comes through the Valley, Laredo, and the Eagle Pass area. Therefore, the legislation that we passed was to expedite bridge permits. Right now, it takes too long to get a bridge permit, and we cannot be waiting years to get wait for a bridge permit, so this legislation pretty much sets a timetable of about 120 days where if the State Department and the President don't move fast enough, then at the end of 120 days, uh, those uh, bridge permits will be deemed uh, approved.
1: Okay, one of several events that need to take place before something is, because we also have to wait on the Mexico side, we have no control over that. But this is rather significant when you say 40% of the trade with Mexico is us here in, in Texas, especially, as you said, Del Rio down, down to Brownsville, and Mexico being the number one trading partner with the U.S., boy, that says a lot about the future of international trade at our border in Texas.
2: Absolutely. In fact, when you look at this, I think in, an, in less than five years, I think the trade between the U.S. and Mexico for, will go from $863 billion to, Uh, to close to a trillion dollars. Imagine, almost a trillion dollars of trade between the U.S. and Mexico, and that's good business for the U.S. side, for the Mexican side. Uh, And that, you know, in addition, you add tourism, and you know in the Valley how important tourism is. People from Mexico will come in and spend money at the restaurants, at the hotels, at the malls, and that, again, generates uh, economies, you know, just uh, increases the economic activity uh, in the valley and across the state of Texas.
3: Our Western Valley Congressman Henry Quay are joining us. Congressman Tim Sullivan here. What bridges would be affected by this fast-track language in the Rio Grande Valley, or both Laredo and the Valley? Which, which uh, expansion pro- projects are in the works?
2: It, it covers three counties in particular. It's the Brownsville area, uh, the Webb County area, and the Eagle Pass, uh, those were the ones that approached uh, the senator and myself that they needed. In Laredo in particular, there's three of them, uh, uh, one new one, uh, and then two expansions of the Columbia Bridge, and of course, the biggest bridge that in a country is the uh, World Trade Bridge in Laredo. So uh, for example, the World Trade Bridge is going to go from eight to about eighteen lanes, uh,
3: and and this <laughs> is all
2: trade. This is all commerce, not not tourists, but mm-hmm. uh, eighteen wheelers.
3: And in the Brownsville area, would that be the Free Trade Bridge, the Veterans Bridge, uh, rather? I,
2: I I don't know which one this. We just went county by county. Uh, But I know that the uh, county judge there and other folks, uh, when we were first talking about it, they were just excited that, you know, it just covers any particular bridge in those uh, areas.
3: Okay. Let me ask you uh, about some congressional business heading into the new year. Um, And I'm guessing, you know, how would you assess the negotiations that are about to start up again on changes to U.S. border policy, immigration and asylum policy, in exchange for Republican support for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan defense uh, funding?
2: Well, you know, first of all, I think it's very, very important that we keep in mind that we have to do something to address the border. I think right now it's too easy for people to come into the United States and just say, asylum, uh, credible fear, and the criteria is so low that uh, most of those people will come in. And then when they wait four, five, six years in the future, an immigration judge will reject 87% of those cases, 87% of those cases. So my question is, why are we letting everybody in at the beginning and then we have to go find them in four, five, six years and then deport them uh, in four or five years, uh, from now. Uh, so those asylum changes at the beginning will be important. Uh, is it controversial? Yeah. You know, you'll find some Democrats that think that's too much. You'll find some Republicans that don't think that goes far enough. But I think, uh, as everybody knows the legislative process, you got to get outside your comfort zone mm-hmm. and work and, and, and figure something out that will work. We got to stop this faucet it you know there's just too many people coming in into the united states
3: yeah there's going to be disagreements uh, among all sides i'm guessing how major might be the changes though in our immigration and asylum policy in in exchange for the type of funding that republicans in past years would have no problem with uh, what, what sort of deal when- is coming
2: well, we, we, you know, I, I've had some communication with some of the negotiators, and, and, and we don't we haven't seen the text yet. i think seen seeing the language is going to be important. Um, you know, I think what the Senate will do, they'll do what they think they can get uh, done over there, and then maybe let the House either accept it. I hope we don't reject it, but I, I either accept it or make some uh, changes to it and, uh, and then get it done, but we gotta do something. I mean, I mean, if you look at the large numbers of people coming in, there's a reason why people are coming in large numbers. You know, yes, you can talk about push factors, you know, what's happening in other countries, but I think the pull factor that is, you know, the policy where people feel that you just come to the border, claim asylum, and then go into the interior, uh, then that is, in my opinion, a big pull factor. The other thing is, and people do not talk about this, but I think it's important to note, if you get Mexico to do more enforcement, then the numbers slow down. The reason some of the numbers have slowed down right now, uh, I mean, they're still big, but the, the reasons they've gone down is simply that Mexico is doing the enforcement. The problem is you know they they do the enforcement then they stop and then they do it again and then we have a meeting with them mm-hmm. if we could have a constant enforcement by the mexicans the numbers will go down here at the border
1: yeah they'll change based on the administration and the philosophy that they bring might some of the compromise up in dc be based on new york city new york state illinois chicago dc philadelphia all all these denver all these places that are so called sanctuary cities that are now having to foot the bill for the thousands of tens of thousands of illegal immigrants now being housed and taken care of, if they get something from Washington and funding to help house and you know provide help for these folks, might that be part of the negotiations up in D.C. to to bring some some of those lawmakers over?
2: Oh yeah, I mean without a doubt that is part of the um, the agreement. As you know, in the House side, Republicans said zero funding for the food and shelter program uh some of us want to have uh monies for that and if you recall back in 2014 i actually changed the law to get some of the funding but it used to say funding would go to the state of texas and then to uh to at that time it was the rio grande valley that was getting most of the people that didn't that didn't work going through the state so in 2017 i, I changed the program where the original amount was $30 million. And it was hard for me to get $30 million to get it to, you know, McAllen and other places up and down the border. And then when New York and Chicago and the other people started complaining, it went from 30 to to 100 and it just jumped to $800 yeah, um, million dollars yeah. because those uh, cities started complaining.
1: Yes, sir. Well, thanks for the update, Congressman. Appreciate your time. Our Western Valley Congressman, Henry Cuellar.
0: It's called the Radiopotami app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store. From your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio.
1: Download the free app for 710 KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710-K-U-R-V. Only at Radio Parami. Downloaded, Download it. It's free. Our mayor for Edinburgh, Ramiro Garza, joining us. Happy New Year, Mayor. Appreciate you making time for us. So let's do a rewind. 2023, I know some of the conversations we had last year, we had some impressive construction numbers. You want to start there, Mayor? What What happened in construction 2023?
4: Sure. Uh, good morning, Sergio. Thank you for having me again. Yes, sir. Uh, well, the, you know, 2023 was uh, uh, a year that we, you know, we didn't think it was going to surpass 2022 based on what happened in 2022, but it really did. Uh, we went up uh, over 30% in construction, uh, We're 360 $360 in construction, total construction happened in our city, way above that, actually, but that's the last number I have. Um, and so construction just continues very strong. A um, lot of single family home permits, a um, lot of new subdivisions, and a lot of them underway too. Um, so we saw a trend just continue uh, sparse construction, pretty uh, strong um, happening throughout the year. And I don't see it slow down in 2015. That's
1: amazing. What is it? Is it um- yeah pent up energy post COVID or is it new industry in the area expansion of medical? What is it? What's driving all these new it, homes it, in the it's area?
4: It's such a it's it's a combination of things. You know, I keep on asking different people about things and people that move into the area or people are relocated. And uh, it's a combination. A lot of people in the health industry, healthcare. Mm. You know, as you know, we have two major hospital systems here, and yes, a lot of different people that are wanting to live closer. As you know, the area has grown, not just Edinburgh, and so there's a lot more traffic. Right. Um, and people want to live closer to where they work, okay? The university is a big uh, employer, right, yes, in sir. our city. So is a county seat, right, being the county seat. And, and of course, the school district. Can't forget our school district, uh, ECISD, is uh, also employs about 5,000 uh, people. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, th- all those things add up. And uh, just, uh, you know, it, it, we're, we're seeing it continue, but we're keeping an eye on it because from an infrastructure standpoint, that's where – our responsibility now comes in, and uh, we've been working really hard on that and making sure we keep up.
1: Edinburgh Mayor Tomito Garza joining us, doing a quick recap, 2023 economic year in review for Edinburgh, our county. See, of course, on the medical side, lots of growth. We got that new Driscoll Children's Hospital coming up in the area. That's creating a lot of medical jobs and the demand for more housing, more homes in the area as well. Uh, on the sales tax collection side mayor how do we do in edinburgh we got lots of shops new new stores new restaurants what happened in 23
4: so yes uh there is uh, there is quite a bit of uh activity on the sales tax that uh, it continues we grew as well on the sales tax front there is uh and, and that's a combination of things you know we do see some uh, restaurants um some coffee shops that open uh, a lot of uh a plazas also uh, with this growth, you, you know, there's a need for neighborhood retail, right? Mm-hmm. People that, you know, they won't need their services closer to where they live and those things. Um, and so, you know, we did see quite a bit of that and we're going to continue seeing that. Uh, but the other thing too on sales tax that it's interesting is because of all this construction um, that uh, impacted as well. I mean, you see um, our sales tax go up, just, you know, a lot more people working in construction in our city. And so uh, during the day, they don't have the time to go sit, uh, eat somewhere. (laughs) They go buy something, pick up, and uh, go back to the work site. And so you're seeing quite a bit of that um, impacted in our sales tax. Mm -hmm. So that that continues pretty strongly. Uh, The shops at Rogan Valley reports that their sales are real strong, those stores that are there. Um, So, uh, you know, we're looking to have it continue with some uh, really – Good uh, opportunities that sure. come in 24. Do you
1: know if the overall number was able to outpace the national infection number, which around 3.6, 3.7? 3. Is it north of that for 2023? Do you know?
4: Uh, I do. Give me just a moment. I'll give you the latest number that was sent to me sure. uh, by the city. So the. Uh, Yes, we were up six uh, percent.
1: Okay, yeah, uh, wow. for for the year. that's yes, pretty good. Yeah. Homes expanding twenty
4: five percent, about thirty-six million, the highest ever that we've ever
1: had in South Texas Do October. you recall, top of mind, how much you have it in reserves at City Hall right now for Edinburgh?
4: Oh, top of mind, that's a very good question. Um, but I do know that, uh, that we normally keep uh, at least twenty-five percent of our overall general fund.
1: Yeah. balance.
4: Um, yeah. And so I know uh, we, we keep that at least. Um, so I would say it's uh, north of 12, 13 million at least. Okay. Uh, but uh, it's probably more when you combine all our funds together. Um, but we have a very healthy fund balance and uh, reserves. And, um, you know, that, that's uh, the whole purpose of, you know, make sure we, we, we balance our budget and, and have everything prioritized, even though we have so much construction activity going on in the city. Uh, we have uh, so many infrastructure projects, but, you know, we uh, uh, we do have a very healthy fund balance.
1: Sure, and that's what I want to ask about infrastructure. Ramiro Gattensay is our mayor for Edinburgh with hammers flying all over the place, uh, creating these neighborhoods and, and homes, and we got lots of shops and, and shopping centers that are popping up uh, all across Edinburgh at the moment. Uh, tell me about the pressure that's putting on City Hall for laying down some pipes and, and sewer and roads and all the utilities, all that stuff. Uh, or maybe, maybe uh, some other major infrastructure project that you have uh, on tap for the city. What, what's going on in 24?
4: So right now we have 42 construction projects happening throughout our city um, that represent about 97 million, okay, in investments uh, by the city. Um, we uh, are not taking lightly. You know the growth that we're having. We are. We just broke ground on our water tower north of town. Uh, we hadn't had a water tower built in over 25 years in the city. And so we uh, are doing the things that, that need to be done to make sure that we keep up with our growth, and uh, but at the same time that we get prepared right for the future, because we're now the latest population that I have of Edinburgh is 107,000 people, um, and it's just growing close to about three percent every year. Um, so at that rate of growth, uh, we not only need to keep up with what's happening now, we got to prepare for the future. So We uh, are about to break ground on a wastewater treatment plant expansion. Uh, We're starting to work on a new water plant as well. Okay. And we're making uh, up to $10 million in road improvements right now. So, but those are what's happening now. We're working to make sure we uh, add to that so we can keep up, you know, with this growth that we're having.
1: Sure. And because of, for example, Burdogden Arena off the freeway—that's a destination point, major concerts and other events. And now, as we close twenty, as we are closing twenty-three, we heard that we, you know, He Butt, that big soccer stadium. We're trying to elbow in, see if we can get UTRGV, the football team, to play there starting next year. What can you tell me about that?
4: Well, what I can say is it—it's it, been being worked on. Uh, we're working with the university on that. Uh, we're excited about that uh, you know it's uh, I know that they've been looking for a home for some time and I think it only makes sense that the announcement was made there I think initially uh, you know for football coming to the area and um, and it, it, it's just I- ideal venue for that so we're pretty excited about it we're getting ready on our end from an infrastructure standpoint too uh, so that we're prepared I mean it's division one football yeah. right for our area and so uh, we uh, are trying to finalize things with the university and hoping that that's done in the next 30 days or so. Uh, but uh, we're pretty excited about it. That's uh, looking to be their, their home All right. uh, where they're going to be playing
1: football. Uh, just top of mind. What's the seating capacity at that stadium, that H E butt um, soccer park. What well, Do you know 6,000, 8,000? Do you have any idea?
4: Yeah, I think it's close to 10,000, but, uh, I know the universe is going to be, and again, that's all part of what we're trying to finalize with them, uh, looking to make some uh, improvements to it. Um, and uh, uh, it, it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, so ideal. Um, it, it's, it's, it's You know, the, the seat's already painted orange, right? <laughs> <So> <laughs> okay. everything is, is pretty
1: much sure, it's a done in done place, but they're going okay. to be making
4: quite a bit of, of improvements, and uh, we're looking forward
1: to Do, it. Or the improvements so, to create, um, to close off, to, to create the final oval shape or to, to create like an ends, like the book ends to the stadium, maybe create more seats. Is that part of the plan? Do you know?
4: I am not sure uh, if that, I know that's been discussed, uh, but I'm not sure the universe is going to pursue doing that. Um, I can tell you that they're going to build a lot of amenities that are needed, right. Um, to make sure that they're prepared. And it, it's, uh, it's, it's laid out nicely, uh, you know, already that's for, good what they want to do. But um yeah, we're looking forward to it and um it, it's gonna be definitely something for the whole well, region i, I to would, be proud of. Yeah,
1: we would hope that maybe there's some, some spin off from that. Maybe more hotels and other economic activity nearby to help you know provide some temporary housing or maybe some eateries and things like that. Near the stadium that'd be nice to see as a result of the football team. Well that
4: that's the idea. Yeah. So I think Dr. Bailey's talked about that for a long time that University be a you know, kind of uh, improve the, the, the college life, if you will, right? And, and take part in it in the area as well. And so, I, I think that's what we're going to see. And we're, we're working on some efforts in our downtown that'll help support um, collaborating right. with the university on that. So,
1: best to you and the crew at City Hall, Mayor. 2024. Thank you for your time, Ramiro Gatsa, our, our mayor in Edinburgh.
5: Hello. Hello. Having our voice heard. That's right. Yeah. You live and you learn. Exactly right. Wait. This is our
0: country. Use
2: your heads on this stuff. Bingo.
0: Sick of the talking heads. I agree with you. Talk, talk,
3: talk, talk, talk.
4: Hello. Hello. Yes,
0: I'm here. I'm just listening.
5: Yes.
3: No. Yeah. No. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Everyone is so smart. They are
2: so dumb. Who is she the judge?
5: stand up to do something.
0: The Valley's only news talk station, News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio.
1: We bring back our Rio Grande Valley water advocates, Sonny Inojosa. He's with one of the local irrigation districts. Happy New Year, my friend, and I wish we had happier news for major segment of the economy down here. Let's start with the water levels at the Rio Grande Valley watershed before we get into the estimates from Texas A&M on the impact, and negative impact that is expected as a result of low irrigation opportunities for local growers. So, Where are we right now as far as levels?
6: Sure. Good morning. Uh, Our last report that we have is the week ending December 30th and uh, the U.S. Share at the international reservoirs is twenty-two point zero three percent, which is, which is uh, just seven hundred and forty thousand acre feet. It just it just kind of been holding steady, you know, increasing a little bit. You know, we had some November uh, rains, so uh, that, that helped out a little bit. You know, it kept it from from decreasing.
1: Yeah.
6: So we're gonna be we're gonna be holding steady and. You know, normally we we start our peak irrigation season, you know, starting in April, and uh, that's probably not going to happen this year. We just don't have the water. So there's there's a lot of farmland that's not going to be farmed as as it has in the last couple of years, and it's only getting worse. Uh, the supply that we had is, you know, it was dwindling, and you know now it's holding steady. But still, when farmers don't have the assurance that the water's behind the dam. They're just not going to make the investment, you know, in in seed and fertilizer and anything else. Yes, sir.
1: Yeah, and those purchases and those plans would be huh, like right now. So so we're at 22% at the moment. And to start an irrigation season, uh, planting and putting all that seed in the ground and watering it, uh, we need to be where as far as the watershed? What what percentage?
6: We need to be, you know, on a normal normal rainfall year here in the Valley, we need to be at about 35% to have sufficient water. That'll be, you know, uh, about 850,000 acre feet is what irrigation would use. You know, we still have the reserves on top of that. So, you know, 1.1 million acre feet in storage uh, would be optimum. Uh, And that we're just not going to see that this year. Well, I say this year, this planting season uh, for our summer, spring, and summer crop. You know, our next, our next chance of getting anything beneficial uh, as far as inflows into the reservoirs is going to be, you know, the next hurricane season.
1: Before I throw it to Tim, you guys start throwing back and forth on the Texas A&M study on the negative impact of all this. The um, percentage, ballpark percentage, how many growers in South Texas in the valley? Uh, depend on uh, irrigation 10 percent 25 50 how, how many of the growers down here well
6: there? you know there, there's there's like five hundred thousand acres acres of of irrigated farmland and and we're at you know 22 percent of what we could have so I, I don't know how many acres we have of dry land farming but you know everything within irrigation districts is is, is irrigable, and the only dry land we have is is probably, you know, Willisey and uh, northern Hidalgo County.
1: Our water advocate for South Texas, former manager for one of our Hidalgo County Irrigation Districts, Sunny Inahosa
3: Yeah, and Sonny, Tim Sullivan here. Also, what crops are we talking about then that may not be able to be planted this spring for the most part?
6: Well you know right now we're we're irrigating vegetables those those that do have water but the the spring crops if you're looking at corn cotton uh, maybe some sorghum you know the annual crops probably will be absent this year
3: citrus how's that going to fare
6: citrus citrus you know perennial that as well as sugarcane they're not faring well at all uh we're we're at, at the complete mercy of Mexico to release some water to the U.S.
3: Could you briefly review that A and M study that we referenced uh, this week in a report from our, our Texas State Network?
6: Okay. Uh, yes, it was a recent report. It was uh, put out, or uh, yeah, at the end of the year of uh, 2023, and uh, just the the direct loss from uh, crop revenue due to the lack of irrigation water is just shy of 496 million dollars and nice. then you know on top of that you have the indirect cost you know which are the the supplies needed to farm fertilizer fuel seed etc and then you have your induced costs uh you know the, the the spending people that are in the business will contribute to the community when you add those two in you know we're at 993 million dollars just you know, like 6, point, six, point six or $6.7 million dollars shy of a billion-dollar impact to the economy here in the Rio
2: Grande Valley.
1: Production in South Texas, 2022, the total tally was $887 million. If you had a chance to maybe put some money on the table, take a guess on how much that would decrease as a result of the negative impact of less irrigation, and some of these farmers going without any irrigation opportunities. How much would you would you say crops would decrease this coming planting and harvesting I season? Yeah, I don't,
6: I don't foresee anyone uh, planting anything any any row crops for this spring and summer. That we just we just don't have the water. Uh, these districts, irrigation districts in the lower valley. I mean, they've been on allocation the last two years, and, and you know, not much has changed. Uh, we're uh, – there's it, – it, it's, it, it's a horrible situation. I mean, there, there's just no water to irrigate.
1: Talk about the ripple effect then. You just kind of alluded to it. Uh, implement, uh, equipment, seed, other ancillary businesses that depend on the farmers getting a paycheck. And of course, that paycheck being spread in the community because everybody – that is in that line of business is going to be negatively affected this coming year. Unless there's a miracle, some big rainmaker, maker and you get like hundreds of thousands of acre feet of water in the watershed. And all of a sudden we're able to distribute all that water to everybody. And that's like likely not going to happen anytime soon. So and this year, you know, Probably. everybody else is going to be tightening their belts. I would imagine.
6: That's all we can do because uh, we've been unsuccessful in trying to get the water from Mexico. And, you know, they're to the point where, they don't they don't have the water anymore I mean they, they at one time they had it and and uh, we, we could not get any of it um, you know there was still that minute that was supposed to have been signed last year and it didn't get executed by by either country and that's kind of on hold uh, there's some issues you know on the Mexican side so that that was one hope that we had that if that minute, got executed, you know, there were some provisions that Mexico could transfer some water in storage, uh, which would have helped. But, you know, that doesn't happen anytime soon. Um, You know, farmers are not going to feel comfortable putting seed in the ground, uh, and they're going to accomplish that, you know, late February, early March. So, uh, as far as, you know, the row crops.
3: Why does Mexico no longer have that water?
6: Uh, They've been using it.
3: Their farmers have been... Yeah. Uh,
6: you know, Mexico is behind on their deliveries to the U.S. by 736,000 acre-feet. And you got to re- remember that's one-third. We only get one-third of the flows. So they'd have to have 2.2 million acre-feet in storage for us to get our 736,000. And they only have 1.5 in their internal reservoirs. So, you know, that they they can't, they can't deliver, they can't provide what they
1: owe to the U.S., at one time they could, but now they don't. Since they've been, they've been using it, and we're holding steady, uh, thankfully, because it's cold and not as sunny as it normally is. But yeah,
6: the shorter, cooler days, yeah. the demand isn't right. there.
1: Well, well, Sunny, um, thanks for the update, and we'll check in with you in, in, in several days. Our water advocate Get for heard. South Texas, one of our managers, former managers for our local irrigation district, Sunny Nahosa.
0: It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store. From your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio.
1: We say Happy New Year. To our friend, Dr. Guy Bailey, President UTRGV, and let's recap some of the news over the past uh, several days. How's your holiday, Dr. B?
5: It's been wonderful. I hope yours has been as well. We've spent it with family and uh, just had a terrific time with all the grandkids. <laughs> How
1: many do you have, if I, if I could ask?
5: We ha- we have eleven. Uh, right now and more on the way <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you get to see all of them did you get to see all of them during the holiday
5: well we're between thanksgiving and uh and christmas we saw everyone
1: yeah yes. you're a busy man doing a lot of shopping for toys and during the holiday season that's true. Right. dr guy bailey UTR president joining us right now let's look at some of the news from the business school first a master's degree in human resources tell me about that
5: well, of of course, as you, as you know, every business of any size has an HR director and an HR unit, and uh, what this does is prepare professionals for that. Uh, prepare people to be professionals uh, in human resources. Uh, again, there are many federal regu- regulations, state regulations. Uh, it, it's something that requires somebody who has uh, a knowledge of those regulations, but also an ability to to work well with remember that you build your workforce through HR. And so uh, in our own HR department is very instrumental in helping us uh, build a workforce. And so we look at it that way as a very positive, not simply a compliance operation, but a way to build a workforce.
1: We want to say congratulations yet again to the UTRGV chess team advancing to the nation's final four. This award-winning program. How does this help with recruitment, Doctor B? Have you been able to gauge that through the years?
5: You know, it's a—they're remarkable. They've done a remarkable job. We're three-time national champions, and, and so that, in its—you uh, know—our coach is, I guess, the Nick Saban of a chess. But uh, <laughs> the it, what it does—it gives us a lot of publicity around the country in a high-profile way that. Uh, uh, that bodes well for academics. And so that's a key thing for us. I mean, when, when you're ranked, what, when all four of your teams are ranked above Harvard, <clears throat> Harvard's A team, well, that, that, that tells you quite a bit about what you're doing. And that says something about your institution. So we think it's been very positive for us. Uh, and, of course, many of our kids are international. They come from Europe, from Latin America, Mexico, some from the U.S., too. And so all of that together really is is very the impact is tremendously positive on the institution.
1: Dr. Guy Bailey, President UTRGV, joining us. I understand that during the holidays you receive a supplemental, uh, more grant money for an NIH study key uh, to local research um, at the medical school. Tell me about that.
5: Well, we have we have a number. There are several grants there. I assume you're talking about the one in human genetics but yes. you could be referring to others as well. And, and of course, we we have one of the uh, <clears throat> most important human genetics uh, centers in the country here, and we have more capacity for uh, computation and human genetics than uh, uh, almost anybody else in the country. We're number one or two in that. But what this grant will enable us to do is to get more Valley kids Involved in human genetics research nationally, they're concerned about diversifying the workforce and in, uh, in human genetics. And uh, again, think about how much research when, when you think about medical treatment. Now, a lot of it involves genetics. We had someone from South Texas uh, a few years ago, win a Nobel Prize for genetic uh, 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 cures in cancer treatments for cancer. And so uh, this is very important as we study diabetes, as we study cancers, uh, to uh, uh, to expand that workforce. And so, what that this is what this grant will enable us to do.
1: Are there opportunities, Dr. Bailey? Because I know you look at everything from an eagle's perch, but with the amazing economic revolution transformation that we're seeing in the Rio Grande Valley, in an opportunity for UTRGV <laughs> and. Other colleagues from Texas Southmost, South Texas College, everybody else in the area, Texas State, to provide a pipeline of engineering talent, either AI-oriented, it could be on the computer sciences, but with liquefied natural gas setting up shop around here to distribute worldwide, from geology sciences to chemical sciences to engineers that could be experts in life sciences and propulsion for SpaceX, is there... A growing synergy between higher education, maybe even public schools with or collegiate high schools, to work with SpaceX, work work with LNG, work with a computer chip manufacturer coming to the area, so that we, our kids, are the ones that provide or the, the ones that take advantage of these jobs.
5: There, there, there are opportunities there, and actually, SpaceX has been very good about recruiting UTRGV students. We have a number of engineers there. Right now, and the woman who headed up the, the launch site down there for uh, it was one of our graduates. I think she's still there, and so they've done a great job of recruiting students not only from engineering, but uh, if you look at their human resource department, for instance, uh, they include UTRGB graduates, and so uh, again, it's a very uh, complex, diverse business, and they've done a nice job of recruiting, and, and they've had recruiting events, especially for uh, our graduates. And so uh, we're appreciative for what they do. And um, uh, will there be more sure as they expand and they're expanding rapidly, there are more and more opportunities for students, not just engineering, but elsewhere. But you bring up a really important point. Our fastest growing college at UTRGV is engineering. It's just growing by leaps and bounds the biggest problem we have is that we don't have enough jobs in the valley we export way too many engineering graduates and so Mm -hmm. one of the things we want to work with our edcs across the valley is to bring in more high-tech companies that can take advantage of this really fine engineering talent that we're producing and uh, the lng will help there They're, they're just anything that we can bring to the valley in any of these industries we just it's important for them to understand the workforce that we're producing and let's don't send that workforce to Houston or Fort Worth yes, sir. Or, yeah. or Austin but keep it right here in the valley
1: 104 and i got just a couple of minutes left with you I'm looking ahead to this year 2024 key research um, yes. m- news from the medical school or sports programs or brick and mortar uh, what comes to mind
5: You're going to have, we're going to have a bunch of good announcements coming out, we hope. And so, as you know, we're expanding athletic facilities across campus in Edinburgh. Uh, We hope, and and again, we'll have more announcements down the road there about uh, uh, various things. We are looking to expand facilities uh, in Brownsville, too, and uh, we should have something on the uh, February board agenda that we hope we can announce pretty soon. That will be uh, uh, be very v- valuable there. So, uh, and then we're looking at uh, expanding some things in diabetes uh, treatment. And uh, again, we we hope to have a big announcement there sometime in the next month or so. So I think as you move in into early February, you'll see a bunch of very exciting announcements okay. involving. A research, Instruction, and Athletics coming out of UTRGV.
1: Success in 2024. Dr. B, appreciate your time. Thank you, Dr. B. Dr. Guy Bailey, President UTRGV.
0: You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio.
1: From the Rio Grande Valley Partnership, the Rio Grande Valley Chamber of Commerce, Dan Silva is the president. Let's do a recap of 2023. The biggest headline that I recall from the RGV Partnership, Dan, of course, the huge summit involving the governor and like 40-plus local mayors and, and leaders coming together, one region, one voice. Let's recap that and get a status report on this this valley-wide marketing push, marketing effort that I know is going to require all the all those city halls represented putting something into the piggy bank.
7: Good morning, Sergeant. Yes, uh, no, thank you for having me on. It, last year we, we took on the initiative of, being the marketed entity for the Rio Grande Valley uh, when it comes to economic development, and uh, really the focus is to to represent the entire region to uh, to unify our message. As you said, one region, one voice is, is our motto. And um, yeah, it was a it was a great fun, a great uh, pep rally. It was a great uh, event that we had. Uh, the governor came down, and he said, "You know, the, the valley is a force to be reckoned with. The Rio Grande Valley is um, there is definitely on the grow and I think by us working together, as we've seen a lot of comment over the last couple of months, you know, working as a region, we've seen it with the MPO, we've seen it with the university, we see uh, as the systems come together, uh, it, it's a bigger voice and we have a bigger footprint and it's more powerful. So, um, yeah, 2023 was, uh, was our planning um, session. We came out with a message and early 2024 we're, we're planning, but yes, we're, we're hoping that every city gets involved, uh, we're going to represent every city, and our the opportunities are are great. I think that this year, as we're planning out, we're going to have quarterly events. Uh, We'll try to wrap up the year with a a state of the region to to talk about 2024. But really having quarterly events to focus on uh, different sectors, different pillars is what I'm calling them. Healthcare, economic development, workforce development and such.
1: Where it matters most, which is cutting a check and putting into the piggy bank the 40 plus entities, the cities that were represented there and committed to one region, one voice. Percentage-wise, half of them, three fourths of them. H- how many have committed some funding for this big valley-wide marketing push?
7: So we're we're coming up with MOUs, So we haven't had actual um, in writing contributions, but okay. uh, we've had about half of the cities uh, make verbal commitments that they're that they're willing to. I'm working on deliverables. I definitely want to make them feel that you know that there's value for what we're doing. But as we've seen across the nation, when regions come together, um, you know there is money that gets put together for for the marketing efforts and it 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 helps the region grow as a whole so um, we have support from all the cities and the counties and we're looking forward to uh, to getting started here in 24 and and really putting the name of the valley out there for the entire nation
1: yes sir if they were able to do it at you know dfw uh, greater houston partnership uh, minneapolis st paul yeah we can do that in the valley as well dan silva is the president
3: of the Rio Grande Valley Partnership. Yeah, Dan, Tim Sullivan here, one region, one voice. You mentioned a a bigger footprint. Um, How much of a difference does that make to the types of business and industries that you're trying to attract here when you combine Cameron, Hidalgo, Starr, Willacy counties into one region, get a bigger population uh, and a bigger footprint, as you say. How, How much of a difference does it make when, you know, you're, you're trying to go out to uh, market the region to businesses and industries, and then they see all of a sudden the Rio Grande Valley. Wow, that's a million and, million and a half people all of a sudden.
7: Morning, time. It makes a huge difference. Um, you know, when a city is trying to market themselves, uh, we see it time and time again. We'll, we'll get leads from the governor's office, and, you know, and there's large population uh, counts that they're looking for they when entities when businesses are looking to relocate and they look at a, a organization or a city that's sixty, seventy, eighty thousand in population, hundred and twenty in population, it, it, it doesn't have the same impact as one point four one point four million people. Uh you know, and when you put together all of our demographics looking at our uh at our education attainment as it's increasing, we look at our uh, our average age, you know, it's still young, mm-hmm. it really does make a dramatic difference when you're looking at 1.4 million people and, you know, and, and all of the resources that we now are able to boast as a region. We talk about ports, seaports, land ports, maritime ports, airports, and when we're able to com- bring all of those uh, modes of transportation in, together and market it as as one region, it, it makes a dramatic difference.
3: How much do you mention northern Mexico? Uh, Reynosa, Matamoros, all the maquilas or the factories down there and uh, in, in the workforce there in your marketing effort, the one region, one voice marketing effort.
7: That's going to be an important part of the marketing message as well because, I mean, not only is, is it 1.4 million people on the U.S. side, with the addition of the 1.5 million people from the Mexican side it makes it a huge metroplex. Yeah. You know, the, amount of, uh, the amount of employees, the, the amount of – the population is just – is just fantastic when you're when you're looking at a region you know to be able to access that that level of, of population is huge it, and it helps with you know as nearshore has been talked more recently um, as we're trying to recruit companies from from china from asia from india looking at a population count of this size it makes it a lot more enticing for a company to relocate they're closer to the U.S.-Mexico border, and and it helps us as we're increasing both the Mexican economic growth and the United States growth.
1: Dan Silva is the director of the Rio Grande Valley Partnership, the Rio Grande Valley Chamber. We are reviewing some of the activity in 2023. Of course, the big news from the Chamber. They are tip of the spear, the point entity for marketing the Rio Grande Valley, complementing economic development efforts, the One Region, One Voice, as Dan mentioned. The Valley's a million and a half. Reynosa-Matamoros is another million and a half plus. And Monterrey nearby. Before we talk about any international type of marketing, uh, I would imagine, make it official or, and put the stamp on that, there's a, been a lot of talk. And I mean, I remember this when I was a reporter, wet behind the ears, 30 years ago, with Bill Summers over there at the partnership and other leaders talking about one metropolitan statistical area using census data and being designated once and for all, Brownsville, McAllen, Cameron County, Hidalgo County as one area. Do you see the partnership as being the lead entity in pushing for that over the next several years? Because I suspect when it comes to migration and the work patterns every single day, we might be there already.
7: Yes, we are definitely going to be one of the, the proponents, one of the advocates for doing that. We see it with the MPO. You know, we used to fight for millions of dollars and now we're getting access to billions of dollars when it comes to state infrastructure. And it's because we're putting, we put our entities together and and it's a larger Metro that we're fighting for. So yes, I mean, having the MSA combined, the MSAs combined, we'll we'll do the same thing for us. So it'll give us access to more resource. Uh, It'll it'll make us a, you know, a larger entity in any sort of discussion or, or decision when it comes to relocating. Because like I said, when we pull together all of our assets, and then put the 1.4 million people as, uh, as a population for the area, it makes a dramatic difference. Sure. Yeah,
1: and we look forward to the quarterly updates and end-of-year. A summary from leadership in South Texas talking as one entity. It would be good to hear from them. Of course, we get an update on the one MSA idea later. i, I got about a minute left with you. Valley construction, uh, sales tax receipts, any other economic performance numbers that stand out real quick in your mind for 2023 and look at 24?
7: Yes, yeah, so- 23 we were we were concerned with the recession you know, we were concerned with inflation we were concerned with uh with things happening in the economy and and it really hasn't affected us the way that we wanted to not the i'm sorry the way that we thought it was going to mm-hmm. we, we've we've had great growth in our in our retail sales it was interesting Rio grand city for the year of 23 was 11 percent up year over year uh you know they've had so much growth over Rio grand city with all of their the retailers that have been coming online and uh you know Mission has had back-to-back months of 16% increase, which is great. Uh, we're seeing the the November sales now here uh, with our most recent report in January, and Mercedes you know, 27% increase for the month of January, which mm-hmm. is our November sales. So you know, sales are uh, are still up. We still have shoppers coming to the area. So and construction permits are increasing. You know the area is is definitely prospering.
1: Excellent. And, Dan, thank you for the report. Uh, We look forward to many more this year. Dan Silva, he's the leader at the Rio Grande Valley Partnership. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710KURV. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is Sergio at KURV.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710 KURV.
0: As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Para Me app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing.